0: morning Southside. So good to be with you. Um, If you will, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 125. Psalm 125 is basically in the middle of your Bibles. You get to the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, you've gone too far. Psalm 125. uh, do want you to have the Word of God open. If you did not bring a copy, there are Bibles in front of you, I believe you'll find Psalm 125 on page 450. It's a great privilege to uh, be with you this morning. I feel like I've had a relationship with Southside for a long time. This is the first time I've been here. Uh, I was a pastor with Edward Heinze in Louisville. He used to be a pastor uh, and elder at this church. Um, Our three-time MVM, Kayla Voorhees, uh, from Grand Bible... Uh, we don't actually give out the title, Most Valuable Member, but if we did, we would probably give it out to Kayla. Uh, Kayla, would you wave? She's new. I oh, can't see you. Couldn't see that. Okay, there she is. She's new to Southside when she was moving to Abilene. Uh, I encouraged her to come here and so glad that she's here. Um, we have received members from you, Matt and Sarah Alsup, uh who, who were here very, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, they're wonderful uh, members of Grand Bible. They've, they've come from you and we're grateful for them. Uh, and of course, Blake White, uh, he and I met when, when we were both starting at Southern Seminary uh, together. Though I've gotten to know him better since we both graduated. Uh, he has always been, I've always known this about him, to be a, a man who loves the Word and who loves the church. So I'm so thankful that the Lord has brought him uh, to you and to continue this legacy of feeding uh, the flock with the truth. And so it is uh, a great honor for me to stand in this pulpit. And um, because of that, I want to ask the Lord to bless our time in his words. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we do confess what we have just sung. That you reign And you will reign forever. Lord Jesus, it is our desire that we would behold you. That we might be able to sing how great you are. Even as we experience how weak we are. Lord, I trust that there are some here who are feeling very weak. Who have felt... Discouraged by sin, who were struggling to believe. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and fall upon us and fill us, that I might speak and we all might hear your mighty works in Christ. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 125. A song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Grand Bible Church has, for the last several weeks, been in this section of the book of Psalms. It's called the Psalms of Ascent. These are very useful songs for the nation of Israel. They're very useful to Christians because these were the songs that the people of Israel would sing three times a year when they were commanded by the Lord to leave wherever they were and make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. They've been so useful for us because Christians are pilgrims. We are not currently in the promised land, but we are headed to heaven. And so long as we are making our way through the wilderness, we need the truths of God's word, but particularly the the truths of these pilgrim songs, uh, including Psalm 125. I want to give you kind of our, our, where we are in, in this section. Psalm 123, the, the psalmist was crying out, have mercy upon me. And if you live long at all as a Christian, you will come to moments where you desperately need the mercy of God. Psalm 124 is then an answer to that prayer. Have mercy upon us. Psalm 124 then says, we have escaped. The Lord has answered. If you look there in Psalm 124, it says it is only because it was the Lord who was on our side that we have escaped the hands of our enemies. And then we get to Psalm 125, which fits within these psalms. And it is giving the answer what it is that the Lord is on our side for. Psalm 125 answers the question that you should be asking If you are interested in someone who is so faithful as the Lord, someone who is so powerful as the Almighty God we've just sung about, if He is on your side, what is He on your side for? What do you need the Lord to shield you from? Psalm 125 gives the answer. And this is the main point. This is Psalm 125 in one sentence. The Lord surrounds trusters. To shield us from sin, the Lord surrounds those who trust Him so that He might shield us from sin. There are two things I want us to see from Psalm 125. First of all, the Lord secures, and then secondly, the Lord separates. The Lord secures, we see in verses 1 through 3. I want us to look at these verses together. If you'll look at verses 1 through 3, you'll see the Lord gives his people truth to sing. But he also gives his people truth to see. He is Calling his people to sing Psalm 125 while they're in the wilderness, while they're making their way into his presence in Jerusalem. And while they're singing, they're also seeing truths. If you are someone who hikes, you might be hiking down a path and you'll see signs from time to time. There's a bear right around the corner or whatever. They'll have these little signs that warn you to be careful at various points. Well, there are signposts along the trail. That would give assurance to those who are making their pilgrimage, their way into the presence of God. And while they're singing Psalm 125, while they're going up and down the mountains, they are being reminded that the Lord has made His people like what we are seeing. Like what we're seeing. Verse 1. As the saints are making their way to Zion, which is another word for Jerusalem, it is like they are seeing a sermon while they're singing. They realize we abide like this mountain. Now, y'all know Chip and JoJo. I don't feel like I have to introduce who Chip and JoJo are. Chip has a certain role in that operation. Chip gains delights in Demo Day. Uh, all of these funny scenes on their show Fixer Up" are about how Chip is going to destroy whatever man has made. He's able to destroy anything. He cannot destroy a mountain. All of U-Haul's entire fleet can gather together and carry away all that the world would, would hoard. But all of you, Hall, cannot carry away a mountain. Verse 1 Mountains are the immovable creation of Almighty God, and the Lord wants us singing before we get to the promised land that we are just as secure as a mountain. But then if you look in verse 2, you see the reason why the Lord's people are this immovable mountain. It's not actually because they are this immovable creation of God. That, that is true. They, we are a mountain and therefore we cannot be moved. But there is a better reason why we cannot be moved in verse 2. And they would have been reminded of this before they even made it to Jerusalem. They see along the way, if you trust the Lord, no one can possibly destroy you because you are surrounded by mountains. But you need to learn this, your trust in the Lord has to compel you. Your desire to be in the promised land, to be in the presence of God in heaven has to keep you going on the pilgrimage along this hard journey into the Lord's presence because it is only once you have arrived in Mount Zion that you can fully take in just how secure He has made you all along the way. It's not until you're in Jerusalem that you can look up and realize how secure you are. This is all in Psalm 125, verse 2. Once you're standing way up, in mighty Jerusalem. It is when you're standing there that you look east and you would see Mount, the Mount of Olives. And that is 200 feet higher than the mountain of Jerusalem. And then if you turn directly around, you would see Mount Scopus is 250 feet higher than where you are standing. You see the point of Psalm 125, verse 2. To trust in the Lord is to be this immovable mountain because you are surrounded. Your security is absolutely guaranteed because you're surrounded by taller mountains, greater mountains, which Psalm 125 is the Lord. If you are in Christ, then all of your enemies cannot get to you. They cannot even see you if we're thinking about Psalm 125 because you are behind a towering, undefeated, undisputed champion. If you're in Christ, the Lord himself is between you and every danger. Verse 3. Verse 3 explains why it is that the Lord has stationed himself all around his people. Do you see that? This is so important. Why do you want the Lord by your side? The end of verse 3 says, lest the righteous do wrong. Now the secret service, if you've ever been able to observe the Secret Service, you'll notice that they're at ease most of the time. When I say that they're at ease, I don't mean that they're not alert. I don't mean that they're not paying attention. I don't mean that they're not on guard all the time. But what I mean is they are at ease Most of the time, in comparison to those times when there is an actual threat to the president's life. And when you see, when they see a threat to the president's life, they spring into action, they surround the president, and they bow up against all of the threats. What is it that threatens this great promise of verse 1? That the people of God would be like a mountain that abides forever. Or we could use more New Testament kind of language. What is is the threat that that would threaten eternal life? Why is it that the Lord surrounds us, it says in verse 2, from this time forth. And he's not ever going to go off his shift. And into forevermore he's surrounding us so that something would not come against us. Verse 3 says the threat is the scepter of wickedness. Now the scepter is something that a king would carry. It's a staff of a king and and the, the quality of that king's Rule, or you could say dominion, the kind of influence that he's going to have uh, over all of the people that he conquers. If if his scepter rests upon you, it's a scepter, in this case, in verse 3, the scepter of wickedness. That is why the Lord is surrounding his people, so that wicked rulers will not rule over his people in wickedness, church. Why do you want the Lord by your side? This is why. Because wickedness is deadly contagious, verse 3 says. If you are trusting in Christ... The Lord wants you to live. And so he tells you what life really is. Life is righteousness. To live is to be righteous, to be guarded from sin because disobedience is death. You need to view every temptation that you face. That's going to kill me. The Lord wants us to live, and, he, and so he says very clearly way back in Psalm 125 that you cannot be moved only if you cannot do wrong. And so I will do what it takes to make sure you cannot do wrong. I will keep the scepter of wickedness away from you. You can only stand, you can only not be moved only if you cannot do wrong. And so God does everything we need. To protect us, he quarantines all those who trust him. So that we are behind him and evil rulers, all those who would tempt us to sin and take us away. They don't even have the skill to get over that great mountain, God. The Lord surrounds those who trust him to shield us from sin. The second thing I want us to see is in verses 4... And And five, the Lord does not just secure His people; the Lord makes this separation. The Lord separates. I want you to look in verses four and five, and we see two prayers and one prophecy in verses four and five. Uh, look at verse four. there is this prayer the the psalmist is is praying this prayer, Lord. Almighty God, will you do good to those who are good? And then verse 5 is a prophecy where the psalmist says, "Lord, The Lord will carry away all those who are crooked. And I want you to rest assured that verses 4 and 5 are a prayer and a prophecy that are going to be fulfilled. And I want you to understand why they're going to be fulfilled. These verses 4 and 5, this prayer and this prophecy are going to be fulfilled, not just because the saints of God are singing it, not just because we're asking the Lord to make this true. No, this is going to be fulfilled and we are singing it because God has already promised to do both the prayer and the prophecy. Verses 1 through 3, where this picture of the separation that, that is between those who are trusting in the Lord and all of the enemies of God. The separation, God himself is standing between us. And then in verses 4 and 5, that separation we're told is going to be made permanent. You see that? When the Lord carries away, verse 5, evildoers, the separation will be forever. What is it that, what is, what is the good? Verse 4, do good. What is the good that the psalmist is asking that, that God is going to answer, that he's going to do to the good? Well, we understand this in the context of Psalm 125. Verse 3 has told us what is the good. It's just this promise that this overpowering, wicked ruler will not bring his rule to his people. The good is, verse 3, so that the, the people of God will not stretch out their hand to do any kind of sin. And because that is the good that the psalmist wants the Lord to do to his people... What the Lord is going to do is verse 2 and verse 5. He's going to stand there to make sure that the scepter can't get over him, overpower him to, to make us wicked. But then he's also going to carry away all those who are evildoers so that he might do the good of keeping us from the death and the despair and the destruction that sin always brings. What I want you to notice from Psalm 125 is what separates those who cannot be moved in verse 1 from those who are carried away in verse 5. Is this not clear? What separates those who cannot be moved from those who are carried away is their relationship with sin. Those who are not moved are good. Those who are carried away in judgment are evildoers. Do good to those who are good. Friend, I would just ask you this morning, are you good? I believe the Lord has chosen Psalm 125 for Southside Baptist Church this morning. So as you've come to this congregation, the Lord would ask, are you good? I didn't say, do you do some good? There is this illusion that people have that if I do more good than evil or do more good than other people who do more bad, then, then I will abide forever. I just want to take you to God's Word and show you that is not the people who stand. Those people don't even exist. You are either one who never stretches out your hand to do wrong, or you are not. And it is only those who never stretch out their hand to do wrong that will abide forever. Are you upright? I've watched a, a documentary recently where it was about this... This grand plot that uh, apparently these people had to rob this bank, and, and someone ends up dying in, in this bank robbery. And and uh, in the documentary, uh, the, the the people doing it would interview, uh, like inevitably they would they would interv- interview the mama of uh, the, these people who were accused of doing this. And you know what mama always says: whenever mama is interviewed, could your son have ever done this? He never could have done this. That's what. We can, we can have people who will come to our side even if we're guilty. Those people ended up being guilty. Obviously mama will say we're upright. Mama's always comparing us to criminals and terrorists. Are you upright in your heart? Doing good flows from wanting good In your heart. And so the question we have to ask as we come to this passage is: is verse 4 my future? Or is verse 5 my future? And that boils down to whether we are good. Well, there is good news. Psalm 125, like all the Psalms, is a song of the Savior. Psalm 125, I want to tell you, most of all, it's singing about Jesus. Jesus was good. Jesus was upright in his heart. He met God's perfect standard the way that none of us could, none of us ever would. Jesus was not just a man who would sin. He was the God-man who never sinned so that his father is, is interviewed and the father himself, unlike our mama, he, he compares them to himself and he can say that Jesus has never stretched out his hand to do wrong. Psalm 125 requires someone like Jesus to come along. For Psalm 125 to be true, it has to be sung by a man about himself. When we read Psalm 125, we just understand the distance between us and verse 4. But Psalm 125 can be true if someone can sing it about himself. And the good news is it can be true of you if he sang it for you. If verse 3's righteous one uses his righteousness to stand in the place of the unrighteous then Psalm 125 can be true. Psalm 125 can be true if not everyone in the whole world is verse 5. We need verse 4 to describe us truly. We need to have hearts that are completely cleansed of all of our unrighteous deeds, for all the ways we've stretched out our hands to do evil. We need those hearts to not just be clean. We need them to be filled with love for God and, and for what is Good in his eyes, we need to have hearts like that. And the good news of the gospel is that when Jesus, the righteous one, went to the cross and died for the sins of his people, he accomplished that very cleansing so that we can sing Psalm 125. But we also need not just a clean heart from Psalm 125, we need a conqueror for Psalm 125 to be our song. Don't you read Psalm 125 and hear that the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on God's people and just confess openly to the Lord, the scepter of wickedness has rested upon me. I have been under the dominion of sin. I have had temptations that I didn't have any strength to resist. We willingly served an evil ruler for Psalm 125 to be true. Our Savior has to so conquer those enemies that we will not turn back to sin and be carried away into hell forever. Because he says, if, if the Lord does not stand for you, the scepter will come and you will ret- tre- stretch out your hand to do evil and you will be carried away. And yet, beloved, the good news of the gospel is that conquering, the conquering you need, was accomplished in the resurrection When God raised Jesus from the dead, God was testifying to the whole world, He has conquered death. He has conquered sin. He has conquered Satan. And if you trust in Him, you will not be conquered. Psalm 125 tells us that those who are good in verse 4 are the same ones who, verse 1, trust in the Lord. Are you good? That is a question that can only be answered by the question, am I trusting in Jesus? And if you are, then this is for you. If you are someone who is not devoted to the Lord Jesus, you need to understand what a great enemy you have. You have an enemy that you cannot overcome. And because of your sin, not only is Satan your enemy, not only is death coming for you, but God himself, after your death, will judge you forever in hell. But he has provided his son as a savior. And if you will trust in him, he will make you good. And he will stand and he will secure you. But what that means is you need to sever your relationship with sin, turn from your sin and submit to the new king. I want to close in verse 5 with the destiny that is laid out in Psalm 125, verse 5. The destiny that is laid out for every living soul. This is what is at stake. There is either prison or there is peace. Psalm 125, verse 5 says that prison belongs to those who turn Aside. And when you read Psalm 125, verse 5, I just want to lovingly encourage you not to think that this is a warning to atheists. Psalm 125, verse 5, is not a warning that the Lord has given to Muslims. Just pay close attention to what the text is saying. It's not saying that Jesus is going to carry the atheists and the Muslims into an eternal prison. Verse 5 is a warning to those who turn aside. And so you have to ask the question, turn aside from what? The people in verse 5 turn aside from verse 1. They're turning aside from trusting in the Lord and they're turning to their crooked ways. And verse 5 is saying Jesus is going to lead them away with the evildoers, with those atheists, with those Muslims. They're the evildoers. But with them, Jesus will carry away into hell all those who professed trust but never possessed trust. I minister in Graham, Texas. It's a small town. My understanding, though, is it's not that different than Abilene. And where I come from, It is very common for people to become a Christian. It seems common for people to become a Christian. And then after that be dominated by sin. And then for some of them, not all of them, but for some of them, they come at a later point in life to become serious about the Lord and serious about righteousness. And I just want to tell you, I want to plead with you from Psalm 125 that that is not the picture of Christianity. Christianity. There's a mountain. There's a mountain range, a range of mountains that stand between those who trust the Lord and and even the influence of the wicked. So that being dominated by sin, having the scepter of wickedness, being ruled by sin, consistently surrendering to your desire for sin, that is actually signaling a complete absence of trust. This is not saying... That Christians never sin. Beloved, hear me. This is not saying that Christians never sin. And if you're following Christ and you're sinning and you're feeling very weak right now and insecure, I want you to pay attention to Psalm 125. This is saying that Christians do not turn aside to sin. Now, when you live in a town of 9,000, I can tell you that you have a few dates on the calendar and you look forward to them one of those dates is when the carnival rolls into town this is a big deal in graham especially i have five little kids they love going to the carnival i can tell you also and this may help you having a pastor who has five kids to relate to what he and his wife experience whenever they go out in public there may be uh different reactions to us when we walk into a place and we all of a sudden are seven more people and it's just one family of us some of us look at us and uh, are astonished. How, wh- why? At some point, did you not change your mind about this? Or uh, they're they they're offended. Even why would you do this uh, to this this the, uh, th- this um, in this culture? Why would you bring that many kids into this world? And. When we go to the carnival, one of the reasons we love it is because we don't get that kind of look. I can tell you when the carnival people see us coming, they see a bunch of suckers. They, they think that they're going to make all their money off of my family. Well, I can tell you. I've outsmarted them. I have told each of my kids that they only get to ride three rides or else we're going to have to get a second mortgage on the home. We're not going to do that. We're going to uh, ask them. We walk around, and, and, and they're looking at all the rides, and they're deciding which one they want to do. And this uh, just a couple weeks ago, we, we did this, and our uh, fourth child, Lily, uh, said, she She wanted to ride the puppies the puppies are not puppies they're they're actually bears but she's three years old so she uh the the she saw the puppies the bears and that you get inside the bears and they're kind of like the teacups at walt disney world you get in and you've got this little wheel and you you're going to spin it and and i just knew with my uh my my son silas my son caleb uh, they're going to want to spin as fast as possible i just didn't think it was going to be a good idea for lily to get on the puppies she would get too dizzy i didn't think she could tolerate the dizziness I do think Psalm 125 would encourage us to understand that being a disciple of Jesus Christ requires a certain level of toleration with becoming dizzy. One common thing that happens in my house is I'm confessing my own sin to my children. Another common thing I'm I find in my household is my children, who I'm calling away from sin to trust in Christ, are, are wondering if they sin so much and if Daddy sins so much, how is it that a Christian is someone who turns from sin? And I've tried to give them an illustration that I'm going to give to you today that I have found helpful. Being a Christian is like this. When, you're, when you are not a Christian, you are heading in one direction. This is the way the whole world is going. We are headed in the direction of hell. We're being led by the scepter of wickedness. We love sin and we're fooled in thinking that this is the way to life, but it's the way to death. When Christ saves someone, he turns us around. And all of a sudden we want a new king. We want to, to be in heaven, not because our loved ones are there, but because our loved one is there. Jesus is there who has saved us. And so we want to be with him and we, we are following his voice and we're walking in this direction. But inevitably, as a Christian like me, we turn aside and we turn back and we sin. This is what a Christian is. It's someone who's not, who doesn't have the absence of sin, but they have the presence of repentance when we sin we turn around again and we keep going back that's the difference between christians and non-christians i tell you that if you're going to be a disciple of jesus christ you need to get comfortable with some level of dizziness because it will feel dizzying at times like you're on the teacups and constantly spinning around but you better be spinning because if you're not spinning you're probably just headed to hell Turn back. What Psalm 125 verse 5 is a warning to those not to repent of repentance. It's not to turn away back to sin and have some kind of idea of the Lord's forgiveness that he doesn't actually change you at all. No, he's worthy of that. And he will turn you back to himself. And the Lord is so kind to warn us, to tell Christians there is a difference between professing saving faith and possessing saving faith. So he warns us that if you climb over the Lord and you're constantly indulging in your own temptations to sin, the warning is out there. Jesus is going to carry you away with evildoers. But verse 5, the second prayer that God is going to answer is to have peace for those who trust in him there's not just prison there is also peace to those who trust in him the Lord wants his people to live and so he tells us how we can live and what will be the threats to our death. He lays out how you can know that you're actually with him. It's that you don't finally turn aside. You keep turning back to the Lord and trusting in him. He is wanting us to know how we know that he has secured us for salvation. But the thing that he wants us to know most of all is that if you trust him, you are secure. He has said you can have no peace until you are safe from sin. That's what it means to be whole or to have peace. is to be safe from sin because sin is so severe that if we are not surrounded by a range of mountains, sin would have me, hell would have me. Psalm 125 is for you if you're terrified. If you're terrified of falling away from the Lord, Psalm 124 should be the song of your heart. Because what you're singing is that Christ has made me a mountain that stands. I'm not the climber who falls off the cliff. Psalm 125 is so encouraging because it is telling us that we are the protected ones. We are not the ones who are protecting our own souls for salvation. Don't you hear the dominant note in this song? It's not on our efforts to fight our own sin. It's on the Lord shielding us from sin. So if you feel weak, if you feel like you've given in so often to temptation, if you are fearful, believe, Psalm 125, that you are surrounded. You are surrounded by the Lord Jesus. Trust in him to keep you. Trust in him and he will keep the scepter of wickedness from ever resting upon you from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord surrounds those who trust him to shield us from sin.